0: interrupt our program to bring you this important message
1: this is leprechaun lunch powered by first state bank
2: on sports radio 960 a.m w s b t Just looking at the uh, the Twitch channel, Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT on Twitch. By the way, before I turned on the lights, man, I looked pasty. <laughs> Holy cow! Like I'm pretty pasty anyway, but not having the lights on kind of kicked it up an extra notch. Like not having like all the lights on really kicked it up a notch. A really frightening notch. Holy hell. <clears throat> How are you? <laughs> I'm Jimmy Rosari. This is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also by Imperial Furniture and Dewajak, where furniture shopping is fun. Lozier, launch your career at Lozier. Apply today at lifeatlozier.com. Uh, let's see. Boston College on the docket. Uh, just as much importance tomorrow. It's senior day. Senior's last home game at Notre Dame Stadium. Probably Michael Mayer's last home game at Notre Dame Stadium too. Um, just saying. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's a big day. It's an it's an emotional day, and uh, looks like we've got just perfect weather for it. Yeah. Mid-November home games, oh my God! Oh. May you never change. But yeah, uh, you know, let's just uh, let's just get going with, with with Marcus Freeman and how he feels about things such as Senior Day.
3: Different places do it different ways. We did it different at Cincinnati than we did when I was a player. Um, you know, I remember my Senior Day was Ohio State versus Michigan. So not only was it Senior Day, it was a big rivalry game. Um, you know, and and there's a lot of emotion as a player. Not only do you run out of the tunnel for the last time, you embrace your coach, then your parents are out there. It can be an emotional time. Um, But the ability, as as I remember Coach Tress and, and, you know, what I'll continue to reiterate to the team is the ability to get your emotions under control after that moment. That's a special moment. I don't want you to not enjoy and embrace and be in that moment. But the challenge will be is the ability to get yourself back under control after um, that moment. You know, our, our our team will be out there, um, which is a little bit different than in previous years. Our team will be out there as our seniors come out um, because I want our team to be a part of it. I want our team to really thank them for what they've done for this program and to be a part of that moment when they run out. But still – when the clock gets to zero and we already kicked kick the ball off, everybody's emotion has to be under control, and we got to be ready to refocus our energy towards what it's going to take to win. And so, um, I remember that as a player. I remember our coach continuing to say it, and I'll continue to say the same thing. And I was able to do it. I think as a player, you know, um, to enjoy it, embrace it, to hug Coach Stress, to hug my family, and, and and shed a tear or two because it's a special moment. It'll be a special moment in the stadium, but we got to refocus and get ready to go and do what it takes to win.
2: I'm just trying to wrap my mind around the image of, like, a you know, 21, 22-year-old Marcus Freeman not in control. And I don't think I can do it. No, no, I can't. I can't do it. Can't do it. Anyway. <laughs> just can't. Can't picture it now? Can't picture it back then? What do you tell your seniors, Marcus? What, what do you tell your seniors to, uh, to try and you know, keep the emotions in check?
3: They built the foundation of what I believe is the future of the Notre Dame football program under me. And that's different than previous head coaches. Notre Dame football has been successful for a really long time, but, but the leadership has changed, and you have to rebuild that foundation to fit the new leader and, and that's what I'll credit this group for is is really building the foundation for what I believe um, is going to be an extremely bright future of Notre Dame football. Um, and so I'll be forever in depth. This will be a special group forever, forever to me, because um, they had blind faith. Like they didn't choose me to be their head coach, you know, and, and um, they came to Notre Dame for other reasons. Well, You know what? I was named head coach, no matter if they chose me or not. And they committed to uh, the vision I had for this football program. They worked tirelessly. Um, uh, They they really built the bond, They established, they implement. Probably the best word is they implemented the culture that I put on the walls like I can put whatever you want on the walls. Right. And I can say this is what I want our program to do. But until it's implemented, until it's carried out from the players and the leaders um, throughout the, f- the football players and the team, there's just words on the wall. And uh, this group of seniors has really done it. They've taken those words off the wall and said, you know, this is what our program is going to be built around. And uh, they've truly built the foundation of what this program is.
2: It's absolutely right. This is kind of a, a a special class, a special senior class for Marcus Freeman. Not just because it's his first one either, as the as the head coach. These are the guys who, back you know, about a year ago or so, went to the administration, went to the athletic department, went to Jack Swarbrick, and said, "That's the guy. He's it. He's the he, we want to play for him." And this was just somebody who was, you know, here for just one season prior, you know, as as the defensive coordinator. Made a big impression on 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 this senior class. I don't think I don't think those guys uh, regret doing that. absolutely you know, absolutely not. I don't think Notre Dame has any regrets on uh, on listening to to this year's senior class. This this year's senior class, you know, really really brought some change. To the university, really brought some change, you know, especially the football program. You know, but just with the whole image of the university, really, really good. You know, e- even if even if a ton of these guys don't go on to the NFL or anything like that, this is still a historic senior class. Just in what just in what they were able to do at this university and within that football program really is. It really, really is. So you got Senior Day tomorrow. And like I said, plenty of emotions, you know, emotions running high and whatnot. But uh,
1: <sighs> as I look
2: out, you know, look out, you know, look out the window of this studio through the window across the hall, through the window on the other side of the wall from that studio over there, um, you know, it's blowing Wind chill's gonna be low. It's supposed to be like twenty-six or so for kickoff tomorrow. How do you deal with that? Like y- Hell, a couple weeks ago wasn't that cold. Nice, you know, fall night. How do you prep for for temperatures like that? How do you how do you prep how do you prep your guys for you know, as I look out these windows? How do you prep for that?
1: Yeah, and you embrace it. The first thing I told him Tuesday, I was like, we're practicing outside. And it's um, prep, prepare your mind for it. We're going outside until we practice all day, Tuesday outside. Yesterday was just going to be a little bit too wet. I wanted to stay outside all week, but um, yesterday, because of the snow, it was just too wet. So I wanted to get good work. So on a third down day and, and you know, the things we had to work on yesterday, we decided to go inside Um And then today we'll be back outside. So again, it's just understanding that it's we're going to practice outside, we're going to play outside, dress warm and go play. You know, if you dress appropriately, it won't be uh, an issue. If you try to be a tough guy, there's no such thing as cold tough guys. You know, and that's what I told them. You better be a warm tough guy. And so make sure you dress appropriately and go practice and go play.
2: (laughs) Remember, kids, no such thing as a cold tough guy. (laughs) <laughs> that may be my favorite line from the week. No such thing as a cold, tough guy, all right? Okay. So, uh, of course, you know, last home game of the season, senior day. Uh, kind of coming off a, uh, I mean definitely a win against Navy. Um, certainly took a uh, unconventional way to get that victory. Basically, putting it in neutral at halftime is is kind of what happened. But um, you know how how do you how do you rebound from a second half like they had against Navy? How do you keep that from happening against Boston
3: College? I'm extremely proud of the the team, the coaching staff for for a hard fought win and finding a way to win. And um, we knew going into that game it wasn't going to be easy. We knew it wasn't. Um, you know, but we found a way to get it done, and, and that's what matters. And it's a tale of two halves, and I know we'll address it here in a little bit. But, you know, again, the positive the ability to score 35 points against that defense that's um, unorthodox at times, and, uh, you know, another block punt was huge for us. Um, you know, the second-half execution wasn't uh, where we liked it to be, obviously. Um, but mm-hmm. the lessons you can learn um, in the, the situations that occurred in that second half – um are are priceless they're valuable and uh you know the ability to learn from a win is, is something that as a coach you love to be able to do and so uh it was it was really good to be able to address some of those situations in the game that happened um yesterday in the meeting and in practice and uh you know continue to to enjoy a, a victory Sunday so do
2: kind of have to address the defense too you know kind of they, they they did let nineteen unanswered wind up on the scoreboard. Like Notre Dame could have you know been held to twelve yards on 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 offense in the second half of that game. But if they had held the Navy offense to you know zero or three or seven, even nobody's talking about that second half. They're just kind of talking more about just how god-awfully boring that game, <laughs> the second half of that game was. Not the almost comeback of of the Naval Academy you know so how uh you know what what do you do with the defense
3: yeah you know I think you look at the first half and going back and watching the tape they still had similar thought process in defense in terms of being bringing a lot of pressure they dropped a little bit played a little bit of two and um but you know when you bring all that pressure you know it, it's high risk high reward and what you saw in the first half is we scored five out of six possessions we had on offense. And, you know, I think coming out in the second half, they continued to do it. Um, you know, if we execute the way we were supposed to execute and like we did in the first half, now you're adding 70 points total, you know, 35 plus 35 is 70. And so, you know, that's 70 points. Um, but the other part of that is the high reward where they limit us to 12 yards in offense. And so, um, that's, again, I don't know if teams will try to copy that, you know, and, and I think us now on Monday look back and saying, okay, if a team wants to bring all-out pressure, we, we got to execute. I think going into the game it was like, okay, we're going to execute, but we didn't in the second half. And, uh, you know, that was probably more Navy-ish defense then you'll see um, probably from Boston College. I don't know about USC. Uh, but, again, there's still the the, the details of, of offense that we still have to execute. We still have to protect. I don't care if you're bringing eight guys, seven guys, you're bringing four guys. It's still an execution. There's still a decision-making uh, you know, process that we have on both sides of the ball, but that you have to do it. All right. And, and there's no excuse for not setting the protection the right way. There's no excuse for not blocking the guy that we've worked in practice. You see him come in. You got to block him. There's no excuse for having bad fundamentals. And and those are all things. And that's why I want to make sure I saying it's not just one thing that Navy was doing or we were doing that said this is what happened no there was a was a multitude of things that um we did not do and they were doing that that really contributed to the second half pretty cut
2: and dry right there really don't you think anyway um so how do you inspire that though here's an idea on how you can you know inspire for the second half threaten to hold guys off of special teams because like Every starter I think, like yeah, every starter I think is is wanting to get in on special <laughs> teams. To, to kind of paraphrase a little bit, Chicks dig the punt block, you know. Starters on special teams, you know I mean that that's certainly elevated the, uh, the, the game for the special teams unit uh, when you have your your best players going out there on special teams. Of course that's going to elevate. Uh, Marcus, how do you feel?
3: Everybody's clamoring to get in nice, that punt block unit. Um, everybody wants a piece of that now. But, you know, that was uh, something that was important. You know, the minute I became head coach, I wanted them to know that there was a huge importance for me of not only who's on the special teams unit, but how I view special teams. And so, you know, I'm in every meeting. Um I'm involved with special teams just because I want them to know how important it is. You know, every single meeting that we have on special teams, I'm going to be there and and make sure that I can be a voice. I can be somebody that when we're on the practice field, can make sure and coach guys and hold them accountable because it's important. Um, in terms of the starters on the units, you know, we coach Mason early in the, the year. I can't remember when he did it, maybe start a fall camp or spring. You know, he showed. uh national championship teams, he showed college football playoff teams and the amount of starters they had on their teams. And we we wanted to show our guys that the best teams in college football have a lot of their starters on special teams. And so it's going to be important to us. Our starters are going to be on special teams, and uh, we want our best players on those units.
2: It seems like that's a new thing too, you know, putting the starters on special teams, which makes you wonder, why doesn't the NFL do it? Hmm. hmm. Of course, wanting to play on special teams. You know, I mean, part of that is wanting to play for special teams coordinator, quite honestly. And uh, here's Brian Mason on, or Marcus Freeman on Brian Mason.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't want to say it in a negative way. Um, you know, the more time you spend around Brian Mason, the more you'll appreciate his personality. Um, I think if... You spend just a, a little amount of time with him, you might have a perception one way or other for who you think he is. Um, but he is extremely intelligent, um, extremely hardworking. He's a great motivator. Uh, to see his growth as an individual and as a coach from two thousand eleven till now has been tremendous, um, and he continues to get better and better. You know, but not only is it th- the beauty of a coach is is Coaches are evaluated off of how they can get their players to play and execute what they want. Brian Mason would be the smartest guy in in the room, but if his players aren't playing at a high level, then it's a waste. And so, what he's doing is he's using his talents, his individual gifts, and he's able to get this unit units not just one punt block unit, which is getting the most um, notoriety right now, but all for special teams unit, including, and then add the field goal and field goal block unit, um, he's getting them to really perform at a high level. And so um, he's a unique, I don't want to say quirky, he'll get mad at me, but he's a unique individual, um, but um, he's awesome. I love spending time with him, and I love to see the growth he's continuing to have as a football coach.
2: <laughs> What's wrong with quirky? It's nothing wrong with quirky.
1: Anyway, uh
2: Some quarterback issues, both sides of the ball, really. First of all, let's uh, you know, real quick, you know, a a Tyler Buckner update from uh, from Marcus Freeman.
1: You know, he's practicing, doing some individual stuff, not not wearing pads and stuff like that, but he's participating in, in parts of practice and in other parts of practice, he's uh, you know doing some rehab still.
2: So that's a good sign. He'll be ready for next season. They're <laughs> they're not going to throw him out there for a bowl game. They're just not. Why why why? Why even risk that? But on the other side of the ball, people were kind of hoping, you know, Phil Dracovic would would be the guy to, to come into this game for Boston College. You know, at least people around here. And I I can only imagine that Phil probably wanted that to happen, too. Unfortunately, injuries get in the way, as they so often do with the game of football. So... How do you how do you how do you prep for Morehead, huh?
3: I've really just kind of gone through the last two games so far, so I've seen the Morehead um, guy at quarterback, and uh, you know from what I hear, just talking to you know some of the defensive coaches and and even some of the offensive coaches, there's some similarities between uh, Phil and, and the one that, the Morehead that's playing now, and so I don't think defensively you'll change depending on who's going to be a quarterback, but you know, the Moorhead kid is, 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 does a really good job of, you know, extending plays with his legs. Um, you know, the ability to, to not get rattled, you know, that for that last minute drive, um, versus North Carolina state was so impressive and the ability to, you know, he hit tactics who I know, well, you know, hit George on a couple third downs and, and a fourth down on that last drive. And, um, you know to throw the touchdown i mean it was uh it shows a maturity for a young player and um you know there's it's a good offense and he's a good player
2: just so we all know it's emmett moorhead emmett moorhead okay emmett moorhead okay all right It's okay. I, I I forgot him too. Quite honestly, uh, we'll talk more about Emmett Moorhead coming up in uh, in the next segment. I'm going to be talking with. Well, I've got somebody on the other side of the ball to talk to. So, we'll uh, we'll get to that in uh, in just a couple of minutes. Offensively, you know, it it it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. A little bit of a challenge tomorrow. You know, I mean. Running game, probably, you know, I mean, the best bet anyway for Notre Dame. But it's definitely going to be kicked up a notch because it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy, as all get out too, apparently, during the game. That ought to be fun. Um, But you're still probably going to see uh, plenty of Braden Lindsay. At least you hope so anyway, especially after the week that he had last week. Marcus, how do you feel about – about Braden Lindsey's week,
3: resilient. Um, you know, a guy that didn't complain, continue to come to work, continue to work his tail off. And and as I tell our guys all the time, you don't know when your reward comes. Um, you know, for Braden, the ability to just continue to work tirelessly throughout the season, and then all of a sudden you have a a game where you're called upon, and the ball comes your way, and you're able to make some huge catches, and and one of the most impressive catches I've seen, and. Uh, You know, it's a great reminder for our guys that continue to work. Don't complain. You know, your time is coming if you do the right things. And when the opportunity presents itself, you're ready to go. You'll make those plays. And so um, it's a great example of of what we want our guys to understand is that sometimes you don't control, you know, the opportunities that come your way. You control how prepared you are and how hard you work. And uh, Brady Lindsey on Saturday was a great example of that. Damn that catch!
2: <laughs> you know what stinks about that catch? The one thing that stinks about that catch is that it wound up getting overshadowed by uh, by Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs on Sunday. <laughs> That's the only thing that stinks about it. Other than that, an amazing catch that I'm still thinking about. But uh, even in my mind, it it, it kind of gets you know Justin Jefferson and, and of the uh, of the Vikings and Stefan Diggs of the Bills, you know, kind of cutting in line a little bit. So. That's the, that's that was the only bad thing about the Braden Lindsay catch was that it happened before the you know the two pro guys went out and had a clinic as far as receiving went. So, uh, Boston College, Notre Dame, our coverage will get underway uh, eight o'clock tomorrow morning. The uh, replay of the Marcus Freeman show—that's the uh, the final episode of the Marcus Freeman show for the season as well. They don't do an episode for uh, for Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving for crying out loud. And uh, let's see. That's at 8. Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, 9 o'clock. Tim Growl and myself. We're not going to be outside. (laughs) Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) Going to be inside. We're going to be inside O'Rourke's at Eddie Street Commons. Come on by. Stop in. Catch the show. Have an Irish coffee or two. And, uh, yeah, check it out. We've got uh, Braxton Braxton Cave, the uh, former Penn High School and and Notre Dame offensive lineman stopping by. Also, former Fighting Irish middle linebacker Tavon Coney and former Notre Dame and NFL offensive lineman Trevor Robinson and plenty more surprises. That's with uh, Legacy Heating and and Air Game Day uh, at 9 a.m. tomorrow, 9 to 11. And then at 11, Darren Pritchett. Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. They've got game day sports beat live from Notre Dame Stadium, uh, taking you all the way up to the uh, radio network's coverage. Starting at one thirty, uh, kickoff a little after two thirty. Irish, a a twenty one point favorite, by the way. Point total set forty three for this game. Forty three for for the game. I'm gonna I'm gonna take an under on that. And then, of course, after the game, Reggie Brooks and myself, we will have the official Notre Dame football post-game show presented by St. Joseph Health System. That is your game day coverage for tomorrow. The last home game of the season at Notre Dame Stadium, senior day at Notre Dame Stadium, and a day that's colder than all (laughs) get-out as far as hanging around outside tomorrow. Come on by. Come on by, you know, especially at O'Rourke's from, from 9 to 11. We'll keep you warm. We'll warm you up. It's a, it's a good way to start your day. All right? Uh, and, of course, you know, all through the day with our coverage here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up, I talked with uh, with a beat reporter from the Boston Globe, the uh, Boston College football beat reporter, Trevor Hass. I'll have uh, our conversation that, uh, that I recorded yesterday. That is coming up on Leprechaun Lunch powered by First State Bank. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, Jim Arizari with Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank. Uh, everything rolling on with the view from the opponent's press box. A, uh, a An interesting view nonetheless, just because of the connections between Boston College and Notre Dame to help uh, clear some of that up is Trevor Hass from the Boston Globe. He covers uh, Boston College sports and uh, and a bunch of other stuff on the sports beat. Uh, Appreciate the time, Trevor. Thanks for
4: having me, Jim. Should be a fun matchup.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Like I said, a bunch of connections uh, (laughs) between these two (laughs) schools. Uh, Of course, you know, everybody knows, you know, Phil uh, Phil Djokovic, uh, you know, started here, transferred to Boston College. Uh, uh, John McNulty, you know, was a coach here. Uh, uh, George Takis, you know, the tight end. He started here. He transferred to Boston College. Is there, uh, is there kind of a, uh, you know, let's let's go out and, you know, kind of show them, show them what's what from, uh, from any of those guys? Or, you know, is that rubbing off on the team?
4: Well, you basically just did my job for me and said you know, the three <laughs> connections. So good job there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think BC, you know, obviously they're going to say the right things. They're, you yeah. know, they're, they're well-coached media wise. And, you know, they, they understand that it's more about the team than it is themselves. But I mean, I think, yeah, it, it, there's no doubt that it means a little extra to those guys. Um, especially Phil. I mean, Phil, you know, he, he enjoyed his time at Notre Dame to a certain degree, but he kind of left a sour taste in his mouth. You know, yeah. he was stuck behind Ian Book and he just knew that he had more potential. Um, that he wasn't really unlocking there. So transferred to BC and was kind of reborn at BC, had a couple great seasons, was injured last year. Um, and then this year he's been injured as well. So he's had some ups and downs um, for BC and freshman quarterback, Emmett Moorhead has looked really sharp um, filling in for Phil, who's injured at the moment. So Jeff Halfley, the head coach said that there's a chance that Dracovic could be the starter. Yeah. Um, he didn't rule it out, but it's likely that Moorhead will play. So at that point, you know, Phil will just be watching on the sideline like anyone else. Um, tack has talked this week to the media. Uh, he, you know, said all the right things um, about Notre Dame and, and playing behind Meyer and all that stuff. Um, Just said that he learned from him and vice versa, and yeah, they enjoyed their time together. Um, but I'm sure he wants to prove himself. You know that he can he can win that matchup one on one. I mean, the odds are that he won't, logistically, re- reasonably. But at the same time, he's a really good player, very physical guy, um, good pass catcher, great in tight windows. So, I think if you know if he gets the opportunity to make a big play, that's gonna feel pretty darn good for him against his former team. So I'd imagine they do care more about it than they typically am.
2: Uh, Boston College coming into this game, uh, you know, 3-7 and seven on the season, not exactly what everybody was thinking was going to happen. But last week, an, a, uh, an upset win, 21-20, over number 17 North Carolina State. Uh, Notre Dame, of course, Played Navy. Uh, that's really the only way I can describe that. Uh, you know, it, it, it's Notre Dame Navy. There's guaranteed to be something weird about the game, no matter who wins. Uh, but is there is there at least that that glimmer of hope? You know, hey, maybe Notre Dame's looking past us. You know, looking looking ahead to USC. You know, can can we continue to build off of the uh, the win last week? What's the uh, what's the mood in the locker room?
4: Yeah, so I think they're definitely trying to build off that win. I mean that was a like you said, it hasn't been the season they envisioned. I think, you know, when this team started a lot of people thought that they would, you know, get seven or eight wins and kind of build off the the momentum they had the past couple of years and take it to the next step. But they've had tons of injuries, just the offensive line in particular has been decimated by injuries. Their starting guard, Christian Mahogany, who's will be a future NFL player, was, you know, towards A. C. L before this year even began. And then just kind of a, a ripple effect from there and their offensive line has just been you know, a a work in progress every week. It's been changing constantly. This past week was the first time that they had the same offensive line the whole season for two games straight, which is kind of a ridiculous step. Um, So it's just been difficult. So I think, you know, the building up to the NC State game, it was kind of like, a, all right, like we're in this spot. We, We have a good team. We can do this. But at the same time, they hadn't really shown that they could do it to that point. So that was a huge win for the program. And just, you know, Halfley's tenure just to show that, all right, like, they can do this thing. They can contend with these ranked teams. They hadn't beat a ranked team since 2014, which is quite a while, obviously. Hathley oh. said he was happy to not hear that stat anymore. So <laughs> I'd imagine that's uh, quite a relief. Sure. Um, so I think, I think it just it showed the, the formula for them. Um, their, their run game is just frankly not very good right now. Um, they had minus one rushing yard for the whole game, not nice. just the fourth quarter, the whole game. Um, and NC State had 200, but BC was able to hold NC State to negative two passing yards in the fourth quarter, oh, and Moorhead right. just kind of took over and led this crazy drive, um, 12 plays, 69 yards in the final couple minutes, and threw a touchdown pass to freshman Joe Griffin uh, with 14 seconds left, and BC found a way to win 21-20, so definitely the most uh, captivating game I've covered in my three years uh, on the beat, <laughs> and just a, you know, a chance for them to kind of show, like all right, we can do this thing and kind of build off that stuff. So I think Notre Dame, personally, I think they're a better team than NC State, but at the same time, Uh, if I were a BC fan, I would be optimistic because BC really has nothing to lose. Notre Dame has a lot to lose. So we'll see what happens. My pick Notre Dame, but you never know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is there money on that or, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's no money on that. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, Trevor has from, uh, from Boston college, uh, joining me right now on (laughs) leprechaun lunch. Uh, he, uh, he covers, uh, Boston college and a bunch of other things for the, uh, for the Boston globe. Uh, Boston College does have a uh, a pretty good receiver in in Zay Flowers. He's the uh, the school's career leader uh, with twenty nine hundred yards, right smack dab on the button. Ten catches uh, for touchdowns this year, uh, four of them from fifty yards or more. What does uh, what does the Notre Dame secondary have to look for with uh, with Zay Flowers?
4: Zay Flowers is uh, one of the most dynamic, charismatic personable athletes I've ever covered at any level. Uh, he's, I can't say anything but good things about him. Um, he's just a very, very explosive player. Um, great, great ability to get downfield and take the top out the defense, but also good as a slot receiver, very shifty. Um, you kind of think you'll, you'll have him wrapped up and then he'll sneak by two guys and two more guys. And then a, a five yard gain turns into a 35 yard touchdown. So um, it's just really impressive what he's been able to do. Coach athlete has credited him throughout the whole season just for, you know, Keeping his head up and not kind of feeling sorry for himself, the BC hasn't had the year that they wanted. Um, Halfley turned down, or sorry, Flowers turned down tons of money in the off season. Um, he could have gone elsewhere um, and signed an NIL deal, but he elected to stay at BC and uh, finish his degree and just kind of ride it out with Drakovic and Halfley and everyone. So, definitely a commendable thing to do in today's era, just to you know stick stick with the process and assume that things will work out. And then even when they don't, the way you envisioned, just to stay positive and upbeat. So. I think without Flowers, this season would be even more bleak for BC. But with Flowers, it's been you know manageable, and they've they've won some decent games against Louisville and NC State. So he'll go down as the best re- receiver in BC history. And uh, these past these next two games are a chance for him to solidify his place as the all-time leading receiver in receptions, touchdowns, and yards. He could finish in first in all three. So we'll see what happens. But definitely a, an awesome player and a, a joy to cover.
2: Uh, defense as well has a uh, has a beast in Marcus Valdez, uh, the uh, ACC's defensive lineman of the week. What uh, what are some strengths that uh, that Valdez brings to the defense?
4: Uh, yeah, always said that he's playing with two bionic arms, which is kind of funny. Um, just can't really you know do much physically, but he's able to make the most of it. So. <laughs> he's a really physical guy, um, just very very smart cerebral player who's able to you know get in between small spaces um, and just kind of wreak havoc uh on the offense. Um he had a great game last week, huge in many, many areas. Um I think he's just one of those guys who's been there. He's been there six years, which is pretty it's a long time to be anywhere. So wow um kudos to him for sticking that out. Um and I think it's it's kinda like a you know a last hurrah in a way like this season hasn't gone the way I wanted, as I said, but at the same time they're not really giving up and they're kind of fighting until the finish. So I think that was a game he'll remember for a while. He said it was his his favorite game in his six years there. Um so that pretty much speaks for itself, uh, his best moment there. So um, good for him for kind of, you know, riding it out and sticking with it. So they have a, a pretty great uh, defense overall. It's been up and down this season, um, but a lot of a lot of skilled players. So I do think that the defense is capable of stopping Notre Dame potentially. Um, obviously, that's easier said than done, but they, they do have some skill there. So I'd expect a, a decently low scoring game, kind of like a 24 to 14 or, a, you know, 31 to 17, something in that range, as opposed to like a 40, 40, whatever to 30, whatever. So
2: we'll see what happens. All right, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be a windy day and uh, it's going to be a cold day as well here here in <laughs> South Bend tomorrow. So you know, ugh, yeah, typically the run game uh, tends to shine a little bit more for both sides uh, on, on days like tomorrow or, uh, are are supposed to. My that gives me favors, Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. But uh, <laughs> uh, what are what are some things from the second half of the Navy game that maybe Boston College went? Ooh, let's let's focus in on that. That
4: we can exploit. Hmm. I I would be lying if I said I, I had a good answer for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the question, but I'm not going to make something up. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, fine. Uh, I can make something up if you want me to, but it will be made up.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you if you want to, I, I mean, let's let's see how let's see how creative you can get right on the spot.
4: <laughs> I can talk from the BC side of things, but I didn't. I did not see that game, so I don't, I don't okay. know what happened. In the game.
2: <laughs> well, all, all you gotta, all you gotta really know is uh, twelve yards for the entire half for Notre Dame. Wow. Twelve yards. I was sitting there watching it and just going, um, "Did you guys come out of the locker room at all for for the second <laughs> half, or, or is is the team tied up somewhere? Like, it, like it, it was seriously a, a tale of two halves last week." where uh where it was just like this is this is a totally different t- what what happened to the first half team here
4: huh. so. Well that's interesting cuz I mean a similar thing happened for BC against NC State. I mean NC State was up 14 nothing in that game and looked like it would run away with like a you know 35-7 kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But then BC came back and found a way to win. So like I mentioned earlier they held them to negative 2 passing yards in the fourth quarter which is pretty commendable. So I don't know, maybe there's a there's value in just you know, not being afraid of the opponent and realizing that if you fall down early, you can kind of bounce back up and find a way to win on the road. So, who knows?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Notre Dame and, and, and Boston College. It's it's another one of those games where, where something weird can happen. Um, do we have any chance of weirdness tomorrow? Oh,
4: there's always a chance of weirdness in college football.
2: True. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but, uh, like... Do you do you see this as a uh, as a game that 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 Boston College is uh, you know maybe going to be able to uh, you know just pull some surprises out? Are 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 basically the gloves off for Boston College at this point?
4: Yeah, I would say so. I would say I would expect to see some some trickery and some some things outside the box. I think BC has nothing to lose, and I do I do think that it's kind of like a if you go on the road and you lose by twenty one or twenty eight to Notre Dame, no one really blinks. But if you find a way to win, then all of a sudden you've beaten NC State and Notre Dame recruits see that and they're like oh okay and then things build toward the future so I don't think there's really much to lose as I said and I think it's just a chance for them to play free and play loose like they did against NC State and who knows as I said again (laughs) keep saying who knows but you get it
2: <laughs> of course of course something weird could happen, you know, if if you were to actually place a bet on uh place some money down on Notre Dame winning tomorrow. So we're <laughs> that'll that that always seems to happen to me anyway, whenever I whenever I place a bet somewhere. Um uh, Notre uh Notre Dame has a, a eight game win streak against Boston College uh so far. Um you know, it it could go to nine tomorrow. Or that losing you know, that losing streak for Boston College. Could end. Um, does does that kind of salvage things as far as the season goes? Do you think?
4: Uh, to some degree, Halfley, Halfley said that you know the it's it's obviously an historic rivalry, but Halfley indicated it's not really a rivalry right now. BC kind of has to do its part to make it one again. You know, it's like the Celtics and Seventy Sixers around here. Joel and was like, this is not a rivalry because the Celtics always win. So. <laughs> um, it's a fair point, and I respect him Halfley for saying that. Um, I, I think, you know, if they win this game and beat Syracuse and then somehow get one of those weird five and seven bowls and then win that game, all of a sudden you're at six wins again. That would be a success, given all the they've endured with the offensive line and various things. But if they lose this game and then lose the next one, then they're three and nine. You can't really view that as a, a success. So the NC State win would be significant, but it wouldn't overshadow what's been a difficult season. So I think it kind these of, these last two games are pretty pivotal. For BC just to kind of even if they can get one um, just to get to four which is not ideal obviously but it's better than nothing so I think it's a, a wait and see situation but they do have a lot to play for still yeah uh,
2: hot seat at all for Halfley uh,
4: it was hot before the NC State game but now it's Cooled a little less a little hot bit. Okay. Yep. All right. um, I think they say if they beat Notre Dame then he's totally fine um, but if they don't and lose to Syracuse then we'll see what happens but I, have, I mean, I've enjoyed, you know, covering him regardless. He's a, an excellent coach. Um, I think he has a really good pulse for what his team needs, and he's able to keep them, you know, level-headed during what's been a difficult season. So uh, if they want to go in a different direction, then, you know, they can do that. But personally, I think he's the man for the job, in my opinion.
2: Okay. All right. Uh Trevor Hass from the uh, from the Boston Globe he covers uh, Boston College and a myriad of other sports as well uh for the uh for the Boston Globe I uh, I do appreciate the time sir
4: My pleasure thanks for having me
2: There you go uh yeah I I can't help but think you know every, every time you know like whenever I've come back and, and thought about this game this week it's like Phil kind of wishes that he was playing in this game. Kind of wishes he'd play playing in this game. Granted, the coach that, you know, ticked him off, not here anymore, but still, just seeing that symbol probably would have made things a little bit more uh, interesting, a little bit more lively heading into this game. Just saying. Let's see, some uh, some betting advice. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, a 20-and-a-half a point favorite, by the way, now. 20 and a half. 20 and a half. Uh, Still might find 21, you know, by the time kickoff rolls around. So, well, coming up in uh, just a little bit. It's Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch. Powered by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact James Kittner in South Bend or Kimberly Thibodeau in South Bend. And by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. this is how i'm gonna get through the rest of my work day just by listening to the almond brothers yeah that's yeah once once this thing's done here yeah I'm, it, it's just almond brothers all day for me just you know if, if if you're trying to call if you're trying to call and you just hear nothing but almond brothers in the background you'll know why you'll know why let's lay some money down
1: we don't get them girls loose, loose. We don't get the world
2: loose. Let's try to expand our wallets. Let's try to I do, I
1: do.
2: make our bank accounts look a little bit better. A hint better. Like I mentioned, uh, Notre Dame. 21 or uh, 20 and a half to 21 point favorite tomorrow. The, uh, the point total sitting at 43. I'm taking the under. Forty-three on that. Not that I don't think Notre Dame could put up forty-three points, you know, especially against the Boston College. I mean, hell, they put up thirty-five against Navy. They put up thirty-five against Clemson. But
1: I—I I, I think
2: you know, the, I think the weather's going to keep the point total down. So, that's just me, though. IU Michigan State that's a noon kickoff. Yeah, you know, at Michigan State 47 and a half is the point total on on that one. And IU is just so absolutely terrible on defense. Sparty might get 47 by itself. Just saying you know like Notre Dame is going to Notre Dame is invariably going to take its foot off the pedal you know i don't think michigan state's in, in you know in that mindset and also i think iu is pretty much gone with the uh, with the ole style of defense over the past 11 quarters since taking a 14 nothing lead against rutgers in the first quarter of that game Hoosiers have been outscored 125 to 31. They've allowed more than 40 points in back-to-back games for the first time since October 13th, 2018. And you know, Michigan State's defense not all that great either. So, 47 and a half. I like. I like the over for IU and Michigan State of, uh, of over 47 and, and a half points. Northwestern taking on Purdue tomorrow. That also a, uh, a noon start down in West Lafayette. This game, not going over. Not going, no. No. Ross-Ade Stadium is a wind tunnel. It, that that play, no. Absolutely not. There will be no passing game to speak of. At least on Purdue's side. We know that that's the case with Northwestern anyway. Uh... Wildcats have a poor run defense, though. Boilermakers could lean on uh, on Devin Mockaby, their breakout star running back. Northwestern, you know, going to try to establish the run as well because it's really all they have. Both teams also uh, with unreliable kickers. And did I mention that ross Aid Stadium is a wind tunnel? 44 points, the, uh, the point total for that game. Uh-uh, under. Under for Northwestern at Purdue. All right. more interesting games. Another rivalry game. TCU and Baylor. That's at Baylor. TCU coming off, uh, you know, two straight interstate wins. Texas last week. Pressure's kind of mounting for TCU to stay undefeated. They're number four in the college football playoff ranking. They, they've they got a seat at the table. Se- got a seat there. Baylor was looking ahead to this matchup by uh, you know, just scoring three points at home last week. You, you could see it. Uh, Baylor 11-4 and four against the spread as underdogs in its last 15. 13-5 against the spread against winning teams the past three seasons. That spread's just two and a half points, too. A smart man would go Baylor in the points. Two and a half points spread, Baylor in the points on that game. Illinois is at Michigan, point total here at forty-one. Um, you know, number one total defense in Michigan, number two defense in Illinois. Point total of forty-one. I think the I think the defense is you know kind of going to show up. The top two are playing. We've also got two quarterbacks that don't turn the ball over a whole heck of a lot, and. They've only gone over just three times in their last 10 meetings. Illinois defense allows just 12.5 points a game. Michigan allowing a nation's best 11.2. And also wins and 25-degree temperatures, blah, blah, blah. Under 41 points for Illinois and Michigan. That's your play as far as Illinois and Michigan. That's a, uh, that's a noon kickoff as well. One of the more ridiculous games, I think, that could happen tomorrow. (laughs) I think definitely going to be Houston and ECU. Um, So that's a six-point spread on that game. A six-point spread for for Houston and Eastern Carolina. Point total at 67.5. Both of these teams can put up points. I'm not gonna go with the point total though. Instead, I'm gonna go Houston plus six on this game because asking Eastern Carolina or East Carolina, whatever the hell it is, asking ECU to uh, to go and cover six is ridiculous absolutely 100 ridiculous houston plus plus six all right in the pros the bears are uh are, are three-point underdogs at atlanta like of the bears plus three really really on board with the bears at plus three for the weekend and then colts are seven point underdogs against the eagles um, Eagles are going to cover that six and a half. It's a seven points. Eagles covering. Eagles and the points, all right? Leprechaun launch powered by First State Bank. That does it for this week. I'll see you tomorrow with uh, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day and, of course, the, uh, the post-game show.